right, all right, okay, okay. I'm glad to be here with y'all today at Love Chapel Hill. My name is Corey, and this is probably about the, I was just with you guys maybe about three or four weeks ago to lead worship uh, with our worship leader, Kimberly, and uh, I'm back again in a different capacity. And so I'm really glad to be here with you all and uh, to bring the word today. Um, as I said, my name is Corey, and I'm the pastor of a new church plant in Raleigh called The Rock Church. Uh, we've been in existence since June 2019, and we're kind of pre-launch, and obviously everything happens, and we're finally about to launch our Sunday service in September, so we're really excited about that. Um, so I know y'all are praying for us. Thank you. Thank you. I know y'all are praying for us, and I pray that you continue to just pray for us as we have shifted and we've moved and we've been flexible over this last two years, but I thank God we're moving into this next phase um, of what he wants to do in Raleigh through the Rock Church, and so... I solicit your prayers uh, in this process. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, first of all, the pastors of this church, all of them. uh, They've all been uh, very helpful and and partnered with us since the day I've met them all. And so I appreciate you all continuing uh, to partner with us in outreach and giving and just everything. My buddy Matt taking some some rest. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. So he said he's out, you know, with the kids, taking it easy. So I'm really glad he's able to get that rest. And um, yeah, and then also I want to give a shout out to my wife is over here, Artra. Uh, and my baby Ezra over here with me today. And my other daughter Elena is over with the other kids, and so they're tagging along today. Um, and so, like I said, glad to be here with y'all. I pray that you all receive the word today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, your listening ears, if you could flip over to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians in the fourth chapter, and we'll be reading verses six and seven. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to move this cord over just a little bit because that's the last thing I want to do is trip while I'm trying to preach. You know, like, oh, Jesus, I fell in the middle of the message. Lord, have mercy. Let me get the dust off me so I can preach. All right. And so Philippians chapter number 4, verses 6 and 7. All right. And let's go ahead and pray before we read the scripture. Father, we thank you uh, for this time together today, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will open up our ears, open up our minds to hear your word, to receive from you. Let our hearts be good ground, good soil, so that your word can go in, God, and transform us and just make us more like you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you. We honor you for everything that you're doing in this body, in this church, in Love Chapel Hill. Thank you for this opportunity to speak into this body. Jesus, we love you. Bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Philippians chapter number four, verses six and seven. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. And it says this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I want to talk to you today for just a few minutes. I always say I'm not going to be long. And my wife says, Corey, stop saying that because you say that every time at Bible study. And then you start talking and going on and on and on. But I'm going to say it again because I'm working on this. I'm not going to be before you long. You guys start timing me. Okay. So Philippians chapter 4. And so today I want to talk to you about accessing the peace of God. Accessing the peace of God. A few years ago, 
I started a new job and I still work that job as a background investigator, so I'm looking into everybody. You know, I checked y'all out before I came here. And, um, I, and because of my job I do, especially before COVID, I did a lot of driving around. I work from home, and so I do out and do a lot of appointments. And a few years ago, I found this podcast by this guy, Dave Ramsey. I'm sure you guys have heard of, heard of Dave Ramsey, right? And I started listening to it almost every day, right? My wife and I were working out of some debt and, you know, paying off some student loans and paying off the car payments and the credit cards. And we were really trying to get our finances in order. And I found Dave Ramsey's uh, material very helpful for us in that process. So I would listen to it all the time. And I noticed that, you know, people would call in and they would start to tell them about what's going on, right? Something at home, something with their job, they're moving. And sometimes he would ask more questions like, so tell me more about this, this spouse. Tell me more about this job, right? And really, sometimes what he would say to them, he would say, well, wait a minute. I really don't think you have a money problem. I think you have a marriage problem. I really don't think you have a money problem. I, I think you just need a new job. I don't think you really have a, have a, have a, have a debt problem. You, you need more income, right? I don't think you have a problem. It's not your kids. It's, it's, your, it's your father-in-law that's kind of, y'all need to work that situation out, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? He would basically be saying that you're calling me about one thing. You're asking me about a credit card or a student loan, but your problem's actually deeper than that. You might need another solution that I don't have for you today, right? And at the end of that podcast, if you've ever listened, at, very, at the end of every, every episode, he would say, you can only, he said, he, he would say, there's only one way to, to true financial peace, and that's to have peace with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is that all these people for hours and hours are calling me about money. They're calling me about their debt. They're calling me about the, the three or four car payments. But he's saying, you know, the real issue, your lack of financial peace is because there's a lack of peace with God. There's a lack of peace with Jesus Christ. And we know in, in our world of chaos, as we've seen, things happen here, things happen there. there, there there's been uprisings. There's been, there's been division. All of this chaos in our world. And we know that there's only one way to, to find true peace in life, and, that, and that's to start with the peace that we have in Christ. Before we can address the unrest in the world, before we can address the unrest in our spouse or in our family, it has to start in my heart to say, do I really have the peace of God on the inside of me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. He says the peace of God, it starts because of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. Peace with God means that I'm completely reunited with God in Christ Jesus. If you go on to read in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, it tells us what that peace looks like with God. It tells us in verse, it tells us in verse 2 that we have an undeserved privilege. It goes on to say that we have been given the Holy Spirit as a part of this peace. It says that we have been saved from condemnation as a part of this peace. And it says that we have been reconciled as friends of God in this total package of peace with God. The Bible also says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it mentions peace as a part of the fruit of the Spirit. So the real peace in our lives should be an overflow of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And so if I'm lacking some peace on the inside, then I begin to ask myself, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in me? And this is the thing when we talk about peace, right? Peace doesn't mean that everything is always calm. Peace doesn't mean that you won't have any trouble. It doesn't mean that you won't have trials. It, won't mean, it doesn't mean that you, you won't have disagreements. Even Jesus showed us that in Mark, when the storm began to rage, right? 
And the disciples are like, hey, what's going on? He's back there asleep. He's laid out. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, he's on his, his king size mattress back there, knocked out, right? And the disciples are like, hey, man, like, <laughs> don't you care? And he gets up and speaks to the storm and, say, and says, peace be still. What Jesus was demonstrating for us is that though there was a storm raging around him, though there were winds, though there were waves, though, though there were all these things, he was able to arise and speak out of the depth of peace that was on the inside of his heart and say to the storm, you be still now. I know the storm is trying to get inside of here, but no, no, no. There's peace that's filling up here. There's no room for chaos in here. And what I'm saying is that though you may be experiencing trials and troubles and, and, and disagreements and arguments and frustrations, right? These things are going to come. But the thing is, uh, am I going to allow the chaos to get inside of me? See, that's the real problem right there is when we allow the chaos to get in my heart, when I allow the drama to get in my spirit, when I allow the foolishness to get inside of my mind, because that's going to go on all around us. We live in this world, so there's going to be stuff all around us. But the thing is, I have to protect and say, God, don't allow the chaos to get in me, but allow the peace of God to rule on the inside of me. And so now that we understand we have peace with God through Christ, how do we continue to access this peace as we walk out this faith, right? And in verse number six of Philippians chapter four, it says, don't worry about anything. But it's the first thing it says. It says, instead, pray about everything. Pray about everything. In order to access the peace of God continually, we have to continually prayerfully bring our worries to him. Prayer is how we access the first way, the peace of God. Prayer allows us to release the pressure that comes from life. It allows us to release and to make that exchange of, as the Bible says, casting our cares on him. In prayer, we bring all of these cares. We bring all of these worries. We bring all of these anxieties to the father and say, God, I'm releasing this to you and I'm receiving your peace. I'm releasing the stress to you and I'm receiving your peace. I'm releasing the drama to you and, I, and I'm, I'm bringing in your peace. I'm releasing my spouse to you. Oh, my God, I'm taking in the peace. I'm, I'm releasing this job to you, God. I'm going to just do my, I, I, but I'm taking, I, I'm going to release my mother-in-law to you, but, but I'm bringing in the peace. Y'all know, I see the smiles going up on your face. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. Amen. And in prayer, that is how we do. We ex make an exchange. We make that exchange in prayer. And when we begin to commune with Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, he says, when you exchange with me, I will give you that peace that surpasses everything you can understand. So in prayer, we cast those worries on him. And what the thing about worries, worries act as weight to our spiritual walk, weights to our spiritual walk. We can't walk in peace and worry at the same time. Either we're going to stress out about it or we're going to pray about it and give it to God. Because those two things aren't going to coexist. He says, he says, give me those worries and I'll give you my peace. Proverbs 12, verse 25, it says anxiety weighs down the heart. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The Bible also tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, I love this. It says lay aside every weight and the sin, right? That so easily besets us. And I begin to think about there are some things that aren't sin, but it's still weight. There are some things that aren't sin. You're not sinful. No, it's, it's, it's not a sin, but it's still weighing me down. The Bible says lay aside every weight and the sin. And so from time to time, I have to begin to examine because a lot of times we like to ask, you know, is that a sinful? Is that wrong? It's, sometimes it's beyond whether it's sinful, but is it helpful? 
is it still acting as a weight, right? So watching TV is not sinful, but if I'm watching TV all day, I mean, that, that might start to kind of hinder things, right? Social media is not sinful, right? Being on social media, being on the ground, being on TikTok is not sinful, but if I'm on there all day long scrolling for five and six hours, that might begin to act as a weight to me accomplishing the things that I'm supposed to do in my day-to-day life, right? You guys understand what I'm saying. And so we have to begin to lay aside the weights, the worries, the anxieties in order to continue to walk in this peace. And it starts in prayer. It starts in prayer. And I notice about even my own life. Prayer is, is a discipline for me, right? So I have to set aside time. I have to get my journal out. I have to make sure it's quiet so that I can lean in and, and focus in so that I can commune with God. And you may have to do the same thing, right? Some people, uh, I know some people, they pray for 10 and 12 and 15 hours a day, it seems like. I'm like, man, y'all are really spiritual, man. I, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get where you at, man, I tell you. But for me, I have to, I have to be disciplined about this. And I want to encourage you, especially as I've learned over the, over the pandemic, to find that rhythm of prayer. Find, do whatever you have to do, whether that's early in the day, whether that's late at night, whether that's writing it down, whether that's on your phone, whatever the case may be, find the place of prayer and make that exchange. Exchange those words for the peace. And the next thing it says here, it says in verse number six, it says, tell God what you need, right? And this is key. It says, thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. It's amazing what thankfulness does in our hearts. It's amazing what thankfulness does in our hearts. Because you know and I know, sometimes we can be just ungrateful. We can just be ungrateful and full of a lot of complaining and full of a lot of belly aching. And, but, but, but I believe that There's got to be some thankfulness in our hearts, man. Thankfulness for what we do have. Thankfulness for what God has done. Thankfulness for for, for where he has brought us from. Because a lot of times our pursuit of the new and the next is causing us to miss the the blessing of now. Because they say, oh, I'm waiting on this new thing and I'm waiting on this new job. And when I get the new spouse and I get the new car and I get the new this, it's like, wait a minute. Are you even thankful for what you have now? What makes me think that I'm going to be thankful for new if I'm not thankful for now? What makes me think I'm going to be thankful for the new bigger house if I'm not thankful in the three, four bed, whatever the case would be, the 1,100 square, whatever, whatever your situation is? What makes me think I'm going to be thankful for that if I'm not thankful for now? And the Bible says, it says in this, in this walk of peace, it says, be thankful. Thank him for all he has done. We even read it earlier in, in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It, it says, enter. this is how you enter into the presence, by thanksgiving. It says now, and then it says, when you're praying about it, and you add some thankfulness to it, then it says this, and I'm not going to be before y'all because I'm about to wrap this up in a couple more minutes. <laughs> it says, when you do these things, then it says this, it says, then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds Anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, when you're bringing it to me with some thankfulness and I'm bringing my worries to him and I'm making that exchange. It says this thing thing begins to happen where I experience a peace that is like, he says, it goes beyond what we can understand. It's like, why am I even peaceful in this situation? Why am I peaceful in this situation? Why are you peaceful and, and, and your family members are, 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 are stressed to the bone and, 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 the, and, and the friends are stressed, but I have a peace that 
I don't even understand why I have peace. You ever been in that situation where you're like, you know, this is a crazy situation. This is, oh my God, this could go this way. This could go that way. But you know what? I have peace about this. I have peace about what God is allowing to happen right now. I have peace. They might have said something crazy to me, but you know what? I don't have to respond to that. I have peace in this situation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever been there? And it says that this is a peace that goes beyond what we can understand. He says, we can't even put this thing into words. This peace that I will put inside of you if you will bring it to me in prayer with some thankfulness. And I love this because I love the next part because it says his peace will guard your hearts and minds. Ah, that's good. He says his peace will guard. Oh, my God. So 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 now if the peace of God is supposed to be a guard, I think about a guard. I think about a border. I think about a I think about a wall. If this thing is supposed to be guarding, I think about even in Job, a hedge around you. Right. If this peace is supposed to guard me and I find myself walking in anxieties, worries, stressing and being ungrateful, then that means now I've left myself exposed because now he says, if I'm not walking, if I'm not bringing the worries to him and I'm not operating in thankfulness, then there will not be the peace that guards. So now there's an open gate for the, as the Bible calls a foothold to the enemy. When I've allowed myself to worry myself into <laughs> the grave and be ungrateful, he says, now we don't have the guard there. Now the doors are open to the house. But he says that when you, when you lay your worries on me and you're, and you're thankful, he says, I'll make sure the guard is up. Come on, anybody got some guard dogs at your house? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like dogs. I'm just, I know y'all got some. Okay, I'm not coming to y'all house because I know y'all got some dogs. <laughs> I saw a dog out here earlier. I thought, it was, okay, maybe he's gone. Maybe he heard me saying, oh, Corey getting up to preach. Let me get on out of here. <laughs> and check this out. And so, his peace is to guard us, to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And this is the last thing here, and I'm going to wrap this up. I love this in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. We're still talking about that thankfulness. But I love this word. It says, let the peace of Christ rule. Let it rule. Now, we, and you may know and may not know, and I'm going to tell you that the New Testament was written in Greek, right? And so sometimes we look at a particular word and the meaning of it in the language of Greek to, to try to get a better understanding of those words. I know you all are taught the word here, Love Chapel, so I know you understand what I'm talking about. But that word rule right there is the Greek word, which is pronounced brabio. And that word means to act as an umpire, like in a game. That word rule means to act as an umpire, like in a game. So if we check this out, right? If we read that passage again, with that, with that, with that taken there, let the peace of Christ act as an umpire or to have the final authority in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ act as an umpire and have the final authority in your hearts. My mother would always say, she, she would always say when I was growing up, she said, Corey, let peace be your umpire. And I never understood what she was saying until I looked at this. She would always say, Corey, let peace be your umpire. And what she was saying, we talk about an umpire. We talk about someone calling in the game, making the rules, making sure that things are not out of bounds. She's saying that, Corey, if you're walking through something or if you're about to do something or if you're about to go somewhere, if you're about to make a decision and you're starting to get a little, wait, hope that's, that's out of bounds for, for what I have for you. That's the umpire telling you, wait a minute, the peace is, oh, you don't have peace there. You need to come back over here inside of the bounds of where I've called you to walk, right? You understand what I'm saying? And so when you begin to make decisions and we begin begin to do things and we begin to walk in relationships and we begin to make moves. If we find ourselves the umpire kind of kicking us, Holy Spirit kind of like, wait a minute, that's that's not it. That's the umpire saying, wait a minute, 
that is outside of the bounds of your path that I've called you to. And so what we begin to have to do and what my mother was trying to tell me was that, Corey, allow the Holy Spirit to set the bounds for your life. And when you find yourself in places uh, uh, outside of bounds, be humble enough and submit yourself to the work of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God to say, wait a minute, that's outside of where I need to be. And she would say, find your way back into the peace. Because this is the thing. Lord, let me see. I almost got excited. This is the thing. You might be about to do something that man, man and other people might say, that's crazy. But if you have the peace about it, oh. It's time to move. It's time to move if you have the peace. You might be about to do that, that people might not understand and say, oh my, you're about to leave that job. You're about to move over there. You're about to move to California. But, 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 but you have to check and say, Holy Spirit, what, what is the umpire saying? Is there peace about this thing? And if there is not peace and there's unrest, that means the umpire is saying, come on back into the field of play that I have for you and allow my peace to rule in your heart. I pray that you all receive that today. I pray that as you leave this place today, that you will begin to look at your life, that you will begin to examine your life and examine yourself and say, wait a minute, where am I allowing chaos to get inside? Because the most important thing is this, there's going to be chaos around. We live in this world, so until you're, you know, 120, uh, there's going to be stuff around. But the most important thing is making sure that I allow the peace of God to rule in my heart and to fill up my heart to the point where there might be stuff around, there might be foolishness around, there might be drama around, but that chaos doesn't have to get inside of me because from this day forward, the peace of God is ruling in my heart. Amen? Amen. I pray y'all receive that. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading and guiding us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your peace would rule over this body today. I pray right now, Father, and as we're taking a moment here, I pray that we will begin to look on the inside, that you will begin to show us our lives, show us ourselves, that we will begin to examine where am I allowing, where am I not allowing the peace of God to rule, to reign, to govern. And I pray, God, from this day forward, that, God, your peace would be strong, would be evident, would be powerful in our lives, God. God, give us a peace that like your word says, we don't even understand it, cannot even put it into words. But God, let there be a reassurance knowing that it is your hand that is leading us, that it is your hand that is guiding us, that it is your hand that is molding us, that is shaping us, and that is making us more like Jesus. Father, we thank you for your peace. And I pray right now, God, for every person that may be in this, this space tonight, this space today, every person that has been experiencing chaos in their heart, that has been experiencing unrest in their mind, that has been experiencing turmoil in their sleep, in their rest place, I pray, God, that tonight will be the best sleep they've ever had. I pray that when they wake up on tomorrow, Monday morning, that they would experience a new peace, that, a peace that they can only attribute to you, to the work of your spirit. So, Father, we thank you for that. We love you. We honor you for all that you are doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And while, let's go ahead and prepare our hearts uh, for the time of communion. Amen. And so as we just talked about this peace of God, I read that scripture to you earlier in Romans 5 and 1, where it says that now that we have now we have peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done. That's such a perfect transition right into where we are. Right. Because of his body, because of his blood that was broken for us, that was given for us, that was poured out. We now have access to that peace. I thank God for Jesus. I thank him for his blood. 
I thank him for the sacrifice that was poured out. None of us would be here without the work that he has done, without his, his sacrifice. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians, where it says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And you know what he's saying there? He's saying, go back and remember first my sacrifice, but also go back and remember where you were when I found you. Remember where you were when my blood touched you. Remember where you were when you found out, my God, my sins are forgiven. He said, do this in remembrance. See, you got to get a memory when you talk about the body and the blood. Because he says, you got to begin to think. And he says, remember that place. Remember where you were. Remember the mess that I pulled you out of. And remember, check this out, how I redeemed you. Remember how I transformed you. Remember how I'm still working in your life. He says, as you take this, which is my body, and you take this, which is my blood that was poured out, the best thing you can do, he said, remember. Because I promise you that if you start to start thinking for one second of all that he's done, of all that he's brought you through, if you start to start, wait a minute, if, if your mind starts to go back for a second and start to think about the ways and the doors that he's opened, I promise you will have no problem saying, thank you, Jesus. Because you will realize that it was nobody but Jesus who could have done that. It was nobody but Jesus and his body and his blood that could have brought me out of that. It was nobody but Jesus. The reason that I'm still married today, it was nobody but Jesus that my children are here and alive today. And so now as we begin to take communion, I want you to just tap into your memory as you take this, as you grab the elements, tap into your memory and remember him and remember where he has brought you to today. Amen. Amen.